Hi, I'm Hang. And I'm Helen. And welcome to the High Key Asian Podcast. A safe and open place where we can come together to discuss all things relevant to growing up and being Asian in Australia. Whether you're at home, going for a run, driving to work, or on a bus or train, heading somewhere, we hope that you can hang tight and tune into this week's episode. Asian listeners, we're back with part two with the oh-so-amazing Phil this week and decided that we focus less on the business side of things and more about other aspects of life. So thank you so much, Phil, again, for taking your time out of your day to record with us. Yay! Yay. <laughs> thank you so much for having me back and I'm, I'm honored that you guys are so interested in my life. <laughs> <laughs> We're interested in any TikToker that like skies through the roof, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but like overall, you're a very lovely guy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Phil, since the last time we spoke, you provided some of your experiences and awesome advices on how to run a business. But for this time around, we really wanted to talk more about like, how do we adult as a millennial in 2022? Because adulting's hard, let's admit that. Like, yes. <laughs> it is a struggle town. Yeah, so let's dive right into it. Phil, um, growing up as an Asian Australian, did you or your parents have, like, any expectations on the type of adult you will become? Like, did you ever feel different to compare to other people? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I've always felt different. Like, um, yeah. I remember like being in kindergarten, like one of my earliest memories being in kindergarten and like all the kids were like, want to play Power Rangers. And for some reason, I just really wanted to be the Pink Ranger. <laughs> I have no idea, like, no idea why I wanted to be the Pink Ranger. Um, and then like me and my sister, we had this amazing neighbors, like the girls were like similar to our age and they would always invite us over to their house. And um, I remember we used to play Barbie with them and I used to find so much fun with that. And like oh. my dad would... Yeah, my dad would always buy me like all these toy guns, these um, well, Hot Wheels or whatever they call right. them. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I just like had no interest in playing with them at all. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'd rather play with this Barbie doll with my sister and like, um, yeah, play play with a baby born. Like, do you remember baby borns? Like, how oh cool my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they they were actually so fun. Um, but yeah, growing up, I always felt different in a way because like. Obviously, like everyone around me, like all the ki- all the guys around me, like all the kids, all the mm. boys were like into like simply different things, mm-hmm. and so yeah, growing up, I always felt like I was really different from everyone else, and I had like this big secret that I was you know gay, um, mm. you know, yeah, on my shoulders. So um, yeah, one of my earliest things was yeah, I wanted to be like the first asian prime minister uh, oh yeah that was, that was kind of this like is all ch- you no pressure from your parents no no so this was like wow. my child, childhood dream like i was like you know i want to become the first asian prime minister i'm going to represent all the asians in australia wow. and i'm going to and i'm going to legalize <laughs> gay marriage for everyone oh, <laughs> wow. but, uh, yes that was kind of my thing but um you know I've gave up on that dream now, and Penny Wong is definitely going to beat me to it. So oh. um, <laughs> leave it to her. Hey, lad, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but going back, to, yeah, my parents—they never really had um, expectations on me. I think I was very lucky in that aspect. I know, like a lot of my friends, um, a lot of their parents already like decided on their career before they were born. Mm-hmm. Um, like my parents have always suggested things to me. Like my dad really wanted me to become a tennis player. 
Um, wow. And obviously they mentioned, you know, you should become a doctor, you know, they pay really well. Mm. Um, but yeah, they never really pushed me or like convinced me to do anything I wasn't interested in. I've always been able to do things what I wanted to do and pursue like what I wanted. Like they didn't even know what I studied until like the last few years I told them when I told them what I studied. Oh my <laughs> so, God. Yeah. That's so like, chill. They didn't, they didn't know yeah. Yeah, what, what I studied until graduation day. Oh my wow. <laughs> God. But yeah, just to give you a little like, yeah, like when I was doing my K-pop um, blogging days, mm-hmm. like my, my mom had no idea what blogging was, mm-hmm. but like I'll tell her, oh, I need a really need a camera so I can interview these people or like take photos of these people or take like those K-pop stars. And then she'll like, look, I have no idea what you're doing, but I trust <laughs> that you're going to do well, whatever you want to do. And she'll, yeah, she'll wow. just buy it. She's just supported, supported wow. my dreams. Fucking yeah. Helen's like good for you. You think it's because um, he's male and he's like kind of like the firstborn or something? I, I don't know. Look, you do right. I think it's actually that. I think because I am um, the oldest son, um, and mm-hmm. my parents, you know, they never had a education themselves, so they yeah, they just trusted that I knew what I was doing. And um, mm. my sister has definitely had it tougher than I have. Like she's four years younger than me, and like she's like she's twenty five now, twenty four now, and she's still not allowed to stay out late. Like oh, if she oh, stays no. out like after nine o'clock, my mom will be calling her like, "Where are you?" Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yep. yeah, yep. she doesn't. Uh, but that that I expectation. See it now. <laughs> yeah. Very lucky, yeah. but but yeah, I, I'm always there to tell my sister, I'm like, you know, dude, like all you have to do is just like break the rules a few times and then she'll give up. I absolutely <laughs> agree. Sometimes you have to be a little rebellion to kind of just like get some freedom and then your parents get used to that rebellious side of you. Yeah, that's completely right. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, at what point did you know that you were gay? Like, was there any point in your life or was it like from really young or like? Um, I always knew that I was different from when mm. I was like five or six, but mm. I didn't know what was different about me. Mm. Um, but I think I probably was about 13 or 14 when I actually understood what it meant to be gay. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. And at that mm. point in that point in time, I was like, that was like about 15 years ago now, or 10 mm. years ago. And mm. Um, it's amazing to me how much Australia and the world has come mm. uh, when it comes to like accepting people for their sexuality and who they yeah. are. Yeah. Obviously, there's still a long way to go, but mm. I think mm. the progress we've made in the last ten years is, blows my mind. Like I, literally, when I was fourteen, I, I was like, okay, I'm I'm gay. I'm gonna take this to the grave. No one will ever know. Yeah. Um, and so, like a lot of a lot of that thought is still even now. Like I'm still undoing a lot of that thought. Like mm. I think when you're gay at that age, you kind of just like have this big secret on your shoulder, and you don't open up to anyone. And, and then you kind of need to see a psychologist or work through that yeah. that trauma yeah. to 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 yeah. learn how to open up again. But I feel like mm-hmm. the last few years, I've been yeah been able to open up more. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Was it was it hard to come out to your parents about it? Oh. Um, yeah, I, I came up to my mom, uh, I think it would have been four or five years ago. Mm. Um, it was kind of spontaneous. Like I was already thinking about coming out to her because mm-hmm. my ex at the time had came up to his parents and mm. um, I was just really inspired by him. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, the moment just kind of came up randomly. There was like mm-hmm. this gay, yeah, some Thai drama she was watching. There was like some gay person on there. And then that started the conversation. And, mm. and then I was kind of like to her, you know, what, what would happen if, you know, one of your kids were gay? And then she was like, mm. oh, she's like, don't be ridiculous. None of my kids are gay. And then, I was, <laughs> and then I was like, and I was like, oh, but I am. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> 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 um, 
She's like, no, yeah, and no. That, she's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. Um, yeah, that kind of like um, started that conversation. Mm. And I just told her like, yeah, I am gay. And, mm. you know, and she kind of came back to me and said, you know, that's, you're just going through a phase. Like we all go mm. through it. I'm like, oh my God. this is, this is definitely not a phase. Like I've been feeling this no. way for my whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of took it very hard. I think even to this day, she's kind of like coming to terms with it. Mm. Um, I think just like every other Asian parent, mm-hmm. like they care a lot about what their friends think, yeah, or their family thinks. So yeah. that was, nice. yeah, yeah, and that was kind of her first response. So, mm-hmm. but I was like, you yeah, look, mum, I don't really don't care what your friends think. Like, mm. like all I care is about what you think. Um, but yeah, to this to this day, she she's kind of she doesn't pressure me about getting married or anything like that. She doesn't okay. joke about getting married anymore, which is kind of good. But at the same time, that topic is kind of a blurred topic for her. Like, right? Um, she tries she tries to avoid that topic, and I think it's all about time now. So I think it's just mm. letting her digest that feeling. Yeah. Um, like mm. my partner comes over. Like I don't live at home anymore, but he's mm. always over. So whenever my mom comes over, she she sees her. And then mm. when we have family dinners, um, she invites him and everything like that. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, it's yeah. just a matter of time. Mm. Um, and it, but as for my dad, I haven't told him yet, but I'm sure he mm. knows. And yeah, um, it's not it's not yeah. exactly a secret. Like mm. yeah. yeah, so I'm sure your mom talks about it to your dad. Oh, hundred percent. But he's just oh. like, oh, well, Phil hasn't spoken to me about it, so I'm gonna be an Asian dad, or <laughs> you know. Yeah, and exactly. I think, yeah. and I think, um, he because he's like 60, 60 something now. I forget how old mm-hmm. he is. I think wow. he's like sixty four, sixty five yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and he's had he's had six kids now, so he's been married mm. twice, and I'm his mar- his marriage now. Mm. Uh, which is his only last and only marriage now mm. um i'm the oldest oldest sons of six kids so oh. i feel like he's at a point of his age where he doesn't care anymore he's like you know mm. i just want you to be happy for who you are oh, um yeah. and he's got other kids who can give him grandkids if they want if you if they want grandkids <laughs> if he yeah. wants grandkids, yeah. let your yeah. sisters and like other brothers or whatever look <laughs> after the, that responsibility yeah. that's <laughs> right and i and i find that like um with like Asian parents like living in Australia or like Western countries like they they tend to like um give in into the Western values so like they become more lenient and not really like try to continue the traditional Asian culture so mm. yeah yeah a lot of my um cousins have moved here from Cambodia to like mm. live now and oh, yeah. a lot of them I think they yeah like my parents have come to realize that I will never be like my cousins because I never grew up in that kind of culture. Yeah. I never had those yeah. traditions. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair though, like my mom, when she moved to, my, my parents, when they moved to Australia, they didn't, like, they didn't continue a lot of the traditions that their parents did. Mm. So it's like, if you didn't teach me, how am I supposed to continue your, the tradition, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, but also, yeah, I just think she realized, they realized now that, you know, me and my siblings would never be the same as they were, mm. how they were brought up. Like, we're mm. always going to have a blend between Western culture and the Asian culture that we know. Oh, that's great. I'm glad that she understands yeah. that. And it's definitely like something that, as you mentioned, time to kind of like overcome. But I'm glad that, you know, it's something that she's coming to accept about, even though, you know, it's not fully there, but at least it's definitely like okay she recognizes it and acknowledges it um which is great to hear because I feel like it's a definitely a tough thing to talk about and of course like admit in front of your parents kind of thing um 
you know, since we talked about like a little bit about your childhood there and all, moving on to your 20s now that you're in your late 20s. Well, we're all in our late 20s, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) How did you feel about adulthood when you were in your early 20s? Oh, I feel like just like everyone else, I was very lost. Like I started my business when I was 21, 22. Yeah. um, And I was still still doing uni at the time. I was like my second year. Yeah. Um, and so I think I kind of like, I was lucky because I did a lot of blogging in my teenage years. So mm-hmm. that kind of led me to marketing and journalism. Like mm-hmm. I realized early on that I quite enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have my business, I'll definitely be working somewhere in marketing or mm. in, in journalism. Yeah. Um, I think that's where kind of where my passion lies. But yeah, I felt a bit more assured than most people. But at the same time, I was still going through this crisis because, you know, I had this, the weight of my family business on my shoulder. And I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have a decision, any decision, but to help them and and run this business. So Mm. there was a point when I was about to finish my undergrad and the business, Mm. it was growing, but it wasn't growing very fast. And my, Mm. we had a lot of disagreements, like my parents just wanted to run the one shop. They didn't want to like grow into multiple shops. And I, you know, I'm young and I'm like able. So I was like, you know, let's make it the best donut shop in the world, best bakery in the world. (laughs) And so, um, yeah. So then I couldn't reach an agreement with them where they were willing to take some calculated risks. So Mm. I was like, well, mom, if you don't want to do that, then I'll continue to help you, but I'm just going to go do my own thing now. And Mm. um, I made it to like the final round on like final round of interviews with like Facebook and Uber, which were like my dream companies to work at at the time. And yeah, yeah, so luckily I didn't make it to make it in the last round Mm. because literally a few months after that, that's when the business really started taking off. Oh, um, wow. And yeah, ever since then, I yeah, never really looked back. But mm-hmm. up until then, I was like, you know, damn, I really wish I could just work a nine to five like all my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, I see your posts and all that. I'm like, I want to live your life. Like, just like doing the heck you want and running your business and just making your ideas into like reality. That's awesome. But yeah, it's funny because, like, People who like whatever you have, like you don't appreciate it, you know? It's like girls with like straight hair, they want curly hair and girls with curly hair. I don't this is a really bad example, but mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did your parents push you guys to do what you're doing now? No. So um I was always into community service, helping um the disadvantaged. And so when I decided to do a Bachelor of Youth work, you know, that's not like typical anything Asian. typical, <laughs> yeah. Like and they're like, what are you doing? And then my mum was like so de- desperate. She was like, Helen, just just do beauty. Like, I, you're a girl, you, you can do beauty, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you can do makeup and hair. And I'm like, nah, like I want to, I really have a connection with young people and I want to help them. Um, I want to empower them. And then she was like, it was really hard for her to accept it. If anything, like my stubbornness drove me into like proving her that, look, I will complete this bachelor and get like, a good job and it'll pay well and you know and I'll be happy as well yeah mm. and so yeah so yeah I think um, for me it's kind of like the opposite <laughs> not that, not that yeah. my parents pushed me okay. into doing like business because that's what I do but it's just more so like I didn't know what I wanted to do in year 12 where like it's like your life is on the line like I have to decide what uni and what course to choose because otherwise my life yeah. is over kind of thing and I definitely I had like the route of doing medicine, but I just chose not to do medicine in the end because I absolutely hated chemistry in year 12. And so I looked into business because to me, it's just like, well, if not medicine, then I'll do business. Like that was just my th- 
thought process and then my sister was like why don't you do accounting and I was just like sure why not are you the youngest or the oldest I am the youngest um uh, she's the baby I'm the baby, <laughs> the baby. yeah she's so the that, baby girl <laughs> yeah and like all my older siblings did like commerce business of some sort like some subject in that area and like that kind of took me to where I am today definitely not do accounting which I'm so grateful for because I would definitely not do that but um yeah I I'm, I'm not gonna deny that like I did have influence from like at least my older siblings to get to where I am today yeah it's, it's interesting because like like I did marketing and journalism and my sister when she finished year 12 she had mm-hmm. no idea what to do either yeah and look maybe my parents were right you know how they always say to you you're the oldest you have to set an example oh, so yeah. you know siblings yeah. will, will follow you I think it's kind of true because my sister ended up doing commerce degree out of year 12 and then mm. I think she realized that she doesn't really enjoy it as much and so mm. she's been transferring back and forth I think she's doing dietetics at one point and then she did oh, wow. health or something in health and then I don't know she's she's all over the place at the moment I think she's back in <laughs> commerce now but um yeah. but yeah I think in some aspects maybe they are right like maybe your siblings do kind of just copy you by default like, like yeah like <laughs> exactly I, I just feel like I just control C and control V definitely definitely not doing accounting but like definitely in some aspects I'm kind of like oh well since they're doing it I might as well do it kind of thing yeah. um yeah. I just like how Helen mentioned I also do wonder what that like starting your own business and that creative direction and expanding that and all that stuff is you know um when we check and hear stories it's definitely like really hard it's definitely like not easy at all it's definitely that 24 hour life (laughs) it is and i i think for for starting a business for me like for my family it wasn't Mm. i know like some asian families wouldn't want to pursue that career because it's not Mm. as safe like asians tend to look for the safest option Mm -hmm. um but i think for for our family a lot of cambodian refugees when they come to australia or to america Mm -hmm. they're not starting um bakeries Mm. um i'm not sure if you guys heard about the story about the donut king i have have you guys oh, heard no. the story? Yeah. So, this is a this is a really uh, there's a long history about converting refugees going to America and going to America especially and opening up donut shops. Like there was this one guy who he was he's a converted man and they used to call him Uncle Ted and he had mm-hmm. a couple of donut shops in America that were quite popular. Um, in their local area mm-hmm. and so what he did was after the Cambodian um, genocide he started to sponsor a lot of Cambodians to America mm-hmm. and what he'll do is he'll help teach them how to like bake how to make donuts um, and then how to run their own business and he'll just take like a commission similar to like a franchise mm-hmm. and yep. he helped hundreds and hundreds of people and mm-hmm. at one point the Cambodians ran a majority of the donut market in, in America like and the reason why people associate pink with donuts is because of him because he had pink boxes because it was the cheapest oh. um, color to get at the time so he kind of left a legacy because um, a lot of Cambodians when they came to Australia they ended up opening bakeries as well like I know so many wow. Cambodians with bakeries so, so yeah so for us starting a bakery wasn't as a scare of a thought Mm. Um, because yeah everyone else we knew it was doing that and went down that path that's so interesting yeah Yeah, because that's kind of like how Vietnamese people come here or America and they start nail salons right that's like the typical story I was gonna say yeah because it's a safe option because like they know like a friend or like a family member who has a nail salon and probably for your culture it's like 
open up a donut shop because that's, that's right. what everyone's doing. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. like that means the Simpsons should credit the Cambodians out there for their classic donuts that Homer always eats, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's amazing. Like, yeah, because I never knew that was the history behind donuts and. Yeah, we have him to thank because he made donuts mainstream and like he was amazing. Mm, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, like, now that you're in your late 20s, do you feel like that? anything has changed um, after going through all your early 20s? Yeah, I think I mentioned it a lot just at the end of the last um, chat we had. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I never really knew how to manage money. Like going mm. through like my early 20s and 18, being 18, 19, like literally I just spent all the money I had like going out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. And so I, I find that's really... a typical behavior though. Like, that's true. To be fair, that's yeah. true. But I feel like, um, like I've met a lot of people over the years and like, they'll tell me like, oh yeah, my parents like left me like $50,000 oh. of stock or like they get passed money down past to them. And like, and for me, that was so foreign because like my, my parents doesn't have anything like that yeah. for, for us. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, what's that, that like? <laughs> Generational wealth. That's what it is. Oh, wow. Um, so, so yeah, like I, at some ways I felt like disadvantaged in that aspect. Mm. I was like, you know, under, these people will like have their parents who know how to make money and know how to manage their money and they teach their kids that. And so yeah. like my parents didn't have the chance to learn that financial literacy. So, mm. um, so obviously I never learned how to manage my money. Like my mom would mm. be like, Oh, I don't spend all your money, but she didn't tell me how to not spend all my money. <laughs> right, like, right. Like, the instructions weren't clear. Where's the manual mom? <laughs> the instructions weren't clear. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like how they're like, oh, you know, no dating. And then afterwards when you're like 21, you're like, all right, where's your boyfriend? Or like, yes, you're like, it's exactly what? like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah, luckily yeah. doing this business, I actually learned a lot about how to manage my money mm. um, and how to obviously like manage the business money as well. So yeah, going to like now almost being 30 next year. Yeah, I, I just feel a lot more in a better position now. Like I'm still going out, you know, having all the things I want to do, have fun, eat mm. out, whatever. But at the same mm. time, I'm not feeling guilty about it because I know mm. that I'm also saving money, putting money aside, mm. you know, investing my money in places where it should be. Um, mm. So I think for me, yeah, I, I, th- I feel a lot better now than I was when I was 18 or 19. I feel like in some ways, now that I've learned how to do that, when I have kids, I'm going to definitely teach them how to do that. Yeah. So that they can be in the same position where yeah, those kids that I met, yeah, same, same, so they can be in the same position. Yeah. that's really great I'm glad that you created that foundation yourself because yeah like like my parents didn't teach me about money and how to handle money they're just like yeah. save money and I'm like <laughs> okay cool but like how much should I save and I'm like exactly. I don't know <laughs> yeah like yeah. yeah you know what I'm actually the one teaching my parents about money now like I'm like <laughs> mom you shouldn't be like this is how you put money aside you shouldn't be spending it on this like so yeah um <laughs> it's weird to, to, to teach you're teaching her yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, like it was one of things like um Hang and I we had an episode we talked about like we're at that age now where we're looking after our parents, like it's mm. the roles have changed. Yeah. How how do you guys feel about I thought about this recently. I'm like, I think a lot of Asian especially when you're the oldest sibling in an Asian family, you kind of have this burden to look after mm-hmm. your parents. Um, mm-hmm. even when you're like 40 or 50 and you're married and with kids and everything like that, your parents kind of mm. expect you to 
look after them for the rest of your life, which is fine. I'm happy to look mm-hmm. after my parents, but yeah. this is not something like, I guess, like in other cultures, mm. they kind of mm. like, you know, do like, they, no offense, yeah. they, can't, they kind of just put their parents in nursing homes and like call it a day yeah. and visit them mm-hmm. like once a month. But in our culture, that's definitely something not what we will do. So we kind of have this mm. extra burden. Not, okay, burden is a bad word, but extra responsibility mm. Um, mm. Yeah, to look after our parents. Mm. And so you have to take it in consideration when you're planning yeah. your future. A hundred percent. We literally we literally just recorded like yeah. an episode yeah. last week about Asian parent filial piety kind of thing. And we don't want to sound frustrated, mm. but part of us are frustrated because... It's a lot of pressure to put on us to kind of suddenly take care of your entire life. But it makes us seem selfish if we don't take care of your life. But it's also like, how do we balance between what we can do for you versus what we must do for you kind of thing. So we were kind of conflicted. We're kind of torn between like, oh, we definitely understand the concept of like, you know, we should look after you because you looked after us when we were younger and there's that return factor on it. But then there's also that sense of demands that's really like yes. pressuring and it's like, <laughs> okay, like, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think yeah. it's such a, yeah, it's such an interesting topic. And I think hopefully, you know, because, you know, our parents came here with little to nothing, hopefully it ends like after us because like, because we're mm. very fortunate to live in a country where you know, even if you don't have a job, you still can make money and you could work mm. minimum wage and still mm. make pretty decent money. So mm. hopefully, yeah, it ends kind of where we are now. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. If not, I'm, I'm expecting my kids to look after me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I want, what I want too. Like I, yeah. um, I don't want to be chucked in a nursing home. Like I still want to be around with my family. Yeah. But um, but it's interesting because like yeah, like Hang said about the ingrained guilt. You know, ever since we were little, like our parents would always mention that, "Will you look after me? Will you do you love me?" Dude, that's brainwashing, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's brainwashing. Yeah, and then the slightest like idea of you wanted to go somewhere or like move out, like well done on you moving out, but like there's part of me where I'm like, oh, I feel so bad moving out. Yeah. Um, it's like considered selfish, you know, and like they don't say it directly, but you just feel it in the back of your head that mm. they're saying it to you mm. so um yeah that brainwashing yeah. you know actually talking about brainwashing i just had a flashback yeah it helped me unlock a memory <laughs> i remember when i was young i can't remember what was the context of it but i just remember i didn't share something with my sister i think it was like lollies mm-hmm. or something like that mm. And then my mom looked looked him in the eye, and then she was like saying to me, "You're a selfish boy. You're, you're when you she's like when you when you get older, I know you're not gonna look after me. You're so selfish." Oh and that, my god! Yeah, and so that like a core memory. <laughs> it is a core memory. Um, so like over the years, like my mom would constantly like you're over here, like I overhear them talking with like with her friends, whatever, and she'd be mm. like, "Yeah, like my daughter's gonna be the one looking after me. I don't think um, my son will do it." Blah blah. blah. Mm. Um, and so. Yeah, over the years, like, she'll just, like, constantly, like, put in my head, like, mm. selfish. And she'd be, at the same time, she'd be like, you know, you, you better look after me, look after your siblings. Mm. So that that constant brainwashing and stuff like that. Mm. So as a, an adult, that kind of carried into my adulthood. And it kind of, like, always at the mm. forefront of my mind. Mm. Um, and so, like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, like, it's a bit of trauma, to be honest. Yeah, it's just like, 100%. I'm like, I feel... Gaslighting. Like, it is gaslighting. It is, it is. And obviously, you guys know my story now. Like, yeah, I did this whole thing for my parents. Mm. So I think maybe in some aspect, it was kind of me proving to them that, look, I am here to support you and mm. show you and, and, yeah. and to do all these things for you. 
Um, mm. But yeah, like I've done a lot for them. Hundred percent, Phil. Like you, you saved the yeah, you saved their business at such a young age. You sacrificed a yeah. lot. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I find that that's very typical Asian parenting language, where like yeah. it's never enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, to be, and to be fair, like, I don't think they even know what gaslighting means or manipulation <laughs> no. means. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even know if there's a, if yeah. there's a term yeah. for that in, in, in their no. language. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely, like, unintentional yeah. on their end. I think, like, what Asian parents don't understand is that children can take up so much knowledge and information no matter, like, how young they are. They're like sponges. And it yeah. really shapes and moulds their behaviours as they grow. Even, like, now where, like, we have this, like, conscious that like okay we always have to think about parents we always have to think about parents our parents came over to australia looked after us we always have to think about them it's embedded into our personality as well as to the type of people that we are mm. so it's definitely like a major impact and that was actually a really good point to raise the idea of like asian parent filial piety that shaped us from when we were younger mm. to now um but yeah like you know once it comes to our next gen of kids they'll be fine <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen when like if you guys ever have kids or when we have kids I don't think that will ever happen to us because like mm. kids are so work these days like I'm literally learning that new things from my little cousins like like you can't say that I'm like oh okay <laughs> so like even if you try to like even if you try to gaslight them while they're young they'll just be like you're gaslighting me and they're like they'll probably like be six and they're probably not gaslighting me like there's, there's just so because they got the internet now and there's just so yeah. many opinionated um people uh tiktok or whatever and so they just watch i don't know a 10 second video and they're like oh wow and there's even psychologists on tiktok you know yeah so they all know so much it's like on such a condensed time they learn so much. They um, terrify. They terrify. They do. Yeah. Did you, hear, <laughs> did you hear like Gen Z? Gen Z are like you know they they're like another level of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. We briefly mentioned how um, you know you take care of managing finances. Like that's a really important aspect of you now that you've grown up. For people who don't know how to manage their finances or don't even know where to begin, what are some of the steps or some suggestions? that you recommend for them to do no that's a really good question i think that well obviously save money like that's a good starting yeah. point mm. um but i think a lot of people get really overwhelmed with the idea of like achieving things by a certain age mm. and talking to a lot of my friends like i can definitely understand the pressure you know mm. like people around our age are like buying houses mm. getting married yeah. like going through all those life cycles but i think it's really important to not just compare yourself to them because everyone's mm. situation is different mm. um especially if you're live in a ghetto like where I am like you know I grew up in in the Springvale area and like around Dandenong like obviously we're not going to have the same situation as someone who grew up in Brighton or yeah. on Doncaster yeah. so you really cannot compare yourself to them um, but yeah my best tip is obviously I'm not a financial advisor so like, disclaimer my, guys my, my experience yeah, <laughs> But I think, yeah, just like starting off small and just investing where you can. Mm. Um, and mm. especially buying a house, like obviously buying a house is super, super expensive yeah. right now. And so I know a lot of people feel pressured to buy a house, like, you know, area they want to live. Mm. And I think, mm. I think we just got to change the way how we think about buying our first house because mm. it's, it's impossible to buy a million dollar house on, yeah. on an 80k salary or whatever people mm. are earning. Mm-hmm. So like for me personally, when I bought my first investment house, I bought it in Queensland. Wow. And Queensland, Queensland is actually really cheap and like 
the boom health housing market there is doing really well. Um, once again, I'm not a financial advisor. Go talk to your own financial advisor. For me, yeah, but for me, I just really, I just really want to get my foot in the door with mm. the housing um, market. Mm. So I just bought what I could afford at the time, and yeah, I had this. Mm. Had, I bought my first place in Queensland, and yeah, if and I'm, I moved out now, uh, and like I think they call it rent vesting. I think that's the correct term for it. So. Ooh. Um, buy where you don't want to live, but you can get good rental return, gotcha. and then just rent where you want to live because essentially you're still paying down yeah. you know, something, and you get to yeah keep the lifestyle that you want to keep. But yeah, buying my first house really motivated me to keep saving and um, investing mm. into other things further. Mm. So yeah, start small if you if you want to start with the stock market, then obviously you can, but don't put all your savings there. You know you want to have mm. money to continue your lifestyle because otherwise, what's the point of earning money if you can't enjoy your life? That's true. Oh, I really liked those advices you gave, especially um, when you first said, like, don't compare yourselves with other people that could be more well off than you, because I definitely do that where I'm just like, oh my God, people are like buying houses. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like people are Mm -hmm. buying like Chanel bags and stuff. And like, you know, it's (laughs) like, even like to me, I was just like, oh my God, like, why can't I afford those things? Or I need to do this and this and this. The idea of the big 30. Oh my gosh. Like, I just think that like me and Helen, we have two years left till 30. And even that scares the fuck out of me. I'm just like oh my god what am I doing kind of thing so that's a really good point and like the whole like housing situation I actually got good advice today where someone mentioned to me that like don't buy your first home as your forever home and just Mm. buy it to build Mm -hmm. equity and there way you can buy another house and I was just like oh that actually gives me a lot of reassurance that like the first home doesn't have to be Mm. the picture perfect home that you want it to be the Barbie dream house or whatever it is right yeah I I agree like Mm. um, I know a lot of my friends they want to live in Doncaster and they want to buy a house in Doncaster and you we all know like how expensive that area yeah. is so and then they feel discouraged like oh i can't afford it blah blah or they'll see other people like buying houses but then they don't realize that you know their parents are like chipping in like 80 percent of the yeah. deposit or whatever so yeah. like everyone's circumstance is different and we can't really can't compare ourselves to anyone because even to our parents like when our parents bought houses like the houses were like 100 grand yeah. or like 200 grand <laughs> no, right. so yeah. we really can't compare yeah those are really good advices yeah, yeah. so um yeah so we spoke about like you being in your early 20s and your late 20s and you're nearly 30 now but then looking back now um is there anything that you want to do anything differently hmm anything i want to do differently if you could go back in time and you'd be like no don't do that <laughs> it's hard i feel like whenever people yeah. ask like this question everyone always responds yeah. the same way and be like no nah, i don't yeah. regret anything <laughs> <laughs> I am who I am now because yeah. of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am who I am because of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, going to my 20s, like I always thought about, should I have started a business or ran a business in my 20s? Like mm. maybe it would have been better if I just did the nine to five in my right. 20s and just soak the experience, mm. soak, you know, the learnings mm. around me and just learn from other people and then do it afterwards. Mm. But mm. to be honest, like I, I gave up a lot in my early 20s. Like, um, you know, I didn't go to like raves or whatever. Yeah. I didn't go to like clubbing because I spent all that time like working on my business mm-hmm. um, but yeah looking back now I really don't regret those sacrifices because mm-hmm. now I'm at a really good point in my life where I have a lot of freedom to do what I want to do now like I get to make TikToks just yeah. for work, you know? like how cool is that <laughs> yeah, yeah that's um, cool. <laughs> and like you know like I could like wake up at nine o'clock 
or I didn't have to start work at nine o'clock. Like I literally just shifted my starting time to 10 o'clock, like recently. Cause I was like, I want to spend my morning, like start my day with a workout first and then start work. Amazing. Um, but yeah, having that flexibility wouldn't have happened if I didn't put that work in my early twenties. Um, so, so yeah, it's hard. I don't, I don't, I don't think I regret the choices I've made so far, to be honest. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it's smart though, because like, like you said, right? Like when, when you're at that early age in your twenties, like you just want to like because you're legal and you got some money because you're working somewhere and you just want to like spend it right but little do they know it's like because for me i want to tell myself hey don't spend your money on that shit and like think about it wisely because you think that kids who are like 16 or 17 and they start investing and now they're like millionaires or like they got the first homes and you're just like shit what the heck um yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what were we doing when we were their age <laughs> yeah exactly so in a way yeah you you were like the very rare ones who were like smart about their time you know oh, and so look at you. you well now. to be fair i was forced into yeah. it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> You got a good head start. Yeah. This is where yeah. your mum and dad yeah. would come in and be like, see, we made this life for you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they would definitely say that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, just like out of curiosity, yeah. so like if you didn't have that burden and that pressure and that force put upon you when it came to like the business was there any specific job that you wanted or any specific business that you had wanted to start or yeah I think um I think I've, I've always been very entrepreneur mm. like I've always wanted to start mm. something mm. and be a business owner um mm. I haven't ever said this publicly so I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this but when I was like 15 me and my sister ran an illegal k-pop download website because <laughs> we were super to k-pop <laughs> Oh my gosh, (laughs) you're one of the people that like I'm so grateful for. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. to be honest, we literally like we, we knew when the schedule like the music schedule would come out mm. and like literally a song would come out, like Girls Generation would release a new song. Literally two minutes later it'll be up on our website. Oh like, my to god, I love oh that. My god. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that was kind of like our my our my first foray into business. Like we made money from advertising and obviously it was nice. illegal. Mm. Um and then I got like a cease and desist letter from like the age like the record company oh, so no. I was like okay shit I'm, oh, <laughs> I was so oh, scared no. <laughs> so they were like they're like look we're not gonna they're like you know we're not gonna ask for the money back all we ask is for you to take down the website and then don't give oh. it to it again oh thank so god I was like, okay I'll do that I'll do that <laughs> with the um, warning how scary yeah. like please like sue me <laughs> Um, yeah, and then after, after that, after that K-pop website, I ended up starting a K-pop blog, which I mentioned mm. like yeah. in this interview already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that website ended up doing really well. Like mm. we had millions of readers each month. Uh, made money from that. So I only stopped doing that because I started helping my parents at the bakery because oh, I couldn't okay. do any more time to that. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? I might have like ended up being yeah running that blog. We did have a few offers back in the day to like buy the blog out. Oh. Um, but I was really persistent on like running it myself um, yeah so I would have either yeah, probably be doing that or like became like an entertainment reporter or, wow. or, or end up working yeah. in marketing somehow so yeah that would have been so freaking <laughs> yeah. cool like imagine like yeah. if you got to like fly to Korea and like interview all of the k-pop celebrities and all that stuff and that would have been your job yeah who knows you would have been fluent uh, in Korean by now <laughs> oh who knows, who knows? Um, I remember I was like 16 or 17 at the time do, do you guys know SBS Pop Asia oh yeah Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. 
yes, yes. I don't know if I mentioned this last in our last chat, but like I was 16, 17, and then the producers of SBS Pop, Pop Asia, Asia. They, they were starting out and they asked to catch up with me and I was like 16 or 17 and they're like asking me for advice for like, oh, how do you, you know, we want to set a like an online radio station that plays Asian music. What would be your tips and advice? And you know, me being 16, 17, giving SBS like <laughs> advice. Like how crazy is that? Is that? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so God. Young. Yeah, I know. So like, I like, I have no doubt, like if I was to continue down that path, I would have like somehow worked like probably end up getting a job at SBS Hop Asia or something like that. Right. So. <laughs> That's so no, cool. I see it too because you're so driven and creative and like you would have, yeah, been in the entertainment industry somewhere, somewhat. Well, my partner, he's a songwriter and Ooh. I live vicariously mm. through him. So he's very much in the entertainment industry. So oh. I live vicariously through him right now. So. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool to see that you've kind of always had that eagerness to start things yourself when it's not there and that's actually really motivational because like you know back then like mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned in the previous episode but like k-pop wasn't as popular as it was now and the fact that you started a whole like massive forum i'm assuming to the point where like you know sbs pop asia reached out like that's incredible and then you followed on with that personality through goldilocks and how well it's done too so it's a really incredible trait that you have and i feel like a lot of us uh, try to persist with that trait but we oftentimes give up quite easily what would be like a strong motivator i know that you do mention that your parents have always been that motivator for you but was there any personal goal that you were trying to achieve for yourself yeah there was um look how much time do we have Um, I I think I think I've always been very motivated to prove a point to Mm. my parents Um, obviously this them telling me that I was gonna be selfish and not take care of them Mm. Um, and also the other side was you know you know being gay growing up you know Mm. you you felt like why was I not like like everyone else Mm. so a lot of gay people feel like they need to prove a point mm. so that's why like a lot of gays are super rich <laughs> so because they work in like law like they're doctors they're like working gotcha. very high profession they're very career driven because they want to make up for them being gay mm, um yeah. i don't know if there's a correct term for that maybe it's like a superior complex oh okay complex. yep 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 so it's probably something like that um so for me that was part of the reason why i started the k-pop blog because i was like i really want to make money and prove to my parents that even if i come out as gay mm. like you have nothing to be ashamed about like you can brag to your friends that you know your kid is successful mm. that he went to mm. uni blah blah mm. um he's a prime minister of australia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah so that was yeah. uh, another motivator why why i've always mm. been really driven also actually um when i was younger i used to be really overweight as well mm. so i lost a lot of weight and so i think that taught me how to stay focused and determined mm. um and achieve yeah whatever i want to achieve oh i love mm. that that's incredible yeah because i feel like a lot of like asian kids in their teens like they're more focused on being submissive to their parents and like i guess being dutiful and like with their studies but then for you like you've always been creative right Right. And so it's like, look, I'm going to do well and make you like not be concerned that I'm going to gonna be a bum or some sort. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. So it's, I think, yeah, yeah, I think a bit of it's naivety as well. Like when you're young, mm. you just think you can do whatever. 
<laughs> it's a good spirit. Because <laughs> I think like a lot of kids would, like if I were you, I would be really scared doing that and like not like doing my homework or, you know, not constantly on my tutor work. I don't know. <laughs> work. I actually, I actually <laughs> didn't do that well in BCE because I was so focused on doing my K-pop blog. <laughs> Priorities, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like I, I think I got like a 64, 65 mm. or something for my ATAR. Mm. Um, mm. But that was because, like, literally during my BCE, I was going up and down Sydney a lot to like go to K-pop concerts, review gotcha. them, oh, interviews. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah. like, after school, literally, I'd just be at my computer for eight hours after school to like midnight, just blogging. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it just goes to show that BCE is not the end of it. Of course yeah. not. Yeah. And I hated the pressure from school, you mm. know? Yeah, like what Hang said before, like, what am I going to do? What's my course that I'm going to decide? Either this is it or not, but it's not. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to lie. I, I still feel like I don't have my shit together and I still feel kind of stressed, but... <laughs> hey, man, me too, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Like we said, like, everyone finds their path at a different rate. I think mm. because a lot of us are so in our bubble sometimes it takes us to walk outside yeah. that bubble too to learn what you like and learn what you like mm. should like to enjoy so i think it's mm. great that you guys are putting yourself out there with this podcast mm. and like you know so and just learning yeah talking to people yeah. And, and learning more so that's mm. how you find out what you want to do oh thank you yeah. for that and you never know with the people you come across like the opportunities mm. That's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want a if you want a job, just let me know. Are you looking for <laughs> um, so, like you know, for someone who's just recently turned into an adult, or for someone who's going through that quarter life crisis, or whatever crisis they're going through as a millennial would <laughs> um, what what do you say <laughs> okay me what advice would you give me <laughs> like what tips or like advice would you give to someone who's going through that stressful adulting or pre-adulting situation um i think i have a question to ask you mm. if you knew the world was ending in 12 months in a year's time what would you do differently what would i do differently mm. Oh, that's such a hard question. But I know what I would want to do. I would want to travel. That's definitely like... Same. Yeah. Like, look, I don't know if I'll get in trouble. Yeah, like with my 9 to 5 job, I'm not... Like, I'm I'm not satisfied. It's just like bearable, right? But mm. I would quit and just use my savings and just travel. Because like, yeah. that's, that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, mm. And I always wanted to move out. You know, live on my own, do my thing. And because of that Asian guilt of like leaving your parents behind. Yeah, I'm like, look, world's ending. I'm gonna move out, do my thing, get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well Helen, it sounds yeah. like it sounds like to yeah. me, like obviously you mm. care about your parents, but at the same time you're doing things not for yourself, which mm. there's nothing wrong yeah. with doing things for mm. yourself. So yeah. but yeah, if the world was ending in in a year's time if traveling is what you guys want to do then maybe that's what you need to do to to learn what you actually want to do mm. so you, you never know what will come out of the traveling i feel like like i, I told my brother this because he's turning 18 soon mm. he's 16 mm. 17 now so i told him i was like take a gap year like mm. i know a lot of people go straight into uni and do their course but taking a gap year will just slow things down for a bit mm. and just mm. really let you really have time to yourself to think about because right now I have no doubt you guys are working extremely hard at your, at your jobs mm. and then after work you're probably dead tired so you have, you have no time to think about what you actually want to do with your life yeah, so yeah. if you have some time to actually rest and yeah. think about it you might save a lot of time to instead of like 
doing a four-year degree and then uh, realize that you don't really actually enjoy this course uh, um so so yeah i think you just need more time to yourself to think about to think about it Aww, yeah that's good advice yeah. yeah i totally agree with the whole concept of you know it's okay to be selfish for yourself kind of thing like i think we're oftentimes put into this perspective that like we always look after other people but sometimes we forget about ourselves and our own emotions as well because we're so we're such busy bodies right especially as we grow older there's so many things to do that we forget about ourselves and we kind of lose track on what we actually want and before you know it like a year goes by without even like thinking about what it is that you actually achieved or what you wanted to achieve so that's actually really good advice to so just take some time with yourself think about like what it is that you truly want to do and maybe just take the first step and do it and then that will just bring out some I motivation agree. or inspiration yeah. in that yeah there's, there's definitely too much distractions right in the world mm. right now yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like can the world calm down for a bit <laughs> like yeah you like, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> so hang and i would like to say thank you again phil for joining us um we'll make sure to link phil's socials below in the description box to make sure to check him out with his amazing stuff because he's really good content uh he's cooking a lot of asian food now mm. so you'll learn a lot yeah <laughs> oh, from him so we're gonna bid farewell to phil um thank you so much for joining us <laughs> thank you so much for having me on it's been such a great chat Oh, thank Yay. you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. Being an adult is no joke. It's okay to not be where you want to be in life. Everyone's lives are different, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to make sense of everything. So remember to take your breaks and look after yourself, everyone. If you guys were able to relate to anything we've said or have a story yourself that you want to share, feel free to let us know via our Instagram at hi.keyasian and our other socials will be linked in the description box of this episode. If you guys also enjoyed listening to Phil, please check him out on our previous episode where he shares more of his journey on how to start a business. His socials will also be linked in this episode. Also remember to feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify if you want to stay in touch with our upcoming episodes. We hope to catch you guys next time. Thanks again and bye. Thank you so much, you guys. See you soon. <laughs>